Welcome everyone to a new episode of the V Superheroes. Um, we're here today uh, with uh, the two Fredericks and some guests, but maybe Fredericks, get off mute. And how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. And you stay alive and kicking. <laughs> well, still, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's an achievement in and, these days, eh? alive and kicking. <laughs> that's kicking healthy, alive, alive and kicking. So it's uh, it's 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 good to uh, to to be back after a um, somewhat an extended summer holiday. Um, not sure uh, how you guys have been, but uh, but I've I've been busy back to back in meetings, uh, and I'm assuming the same for you guys. I love all Frederick. the Zoom calls. Uh, I really love yeah. all the Zoom calls back to back. I've heard of Frederick yeah. that he's already had three calls uh, this morning. Yes. So for your reference, it's now ten o'clock. It's my third call. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's my second call, so uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm going to get you. That's, uh, that's <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> we'll we'll count scores. Hey, uh, we're not here to talk about uh, about the extended summer holiday and uh, uh, how uh, uh, Zoom heroes we're uh, we're getting in this uh, in these days, uh, but we've we've been recording some um, yeah calls or some podcasts earlier on about uh, about acquisitions that VMware did. Um, we did one about Pivotal, where we had Dieter Hubeau getting some introduction about, about the new Tanzu uh, portfolio that we have. And then we also had a Carbon Black one, uh, which I think was very interesting and which is, uh, which is, which is still online and, and, and uh, having a lot of traction uh, with our listeners. Uh, and today, um, I'm, um, oh, I'm very pleased to, uh, to have Dirk and Ant on the, on the call, uh, because you guys uh, came into VMware through another acquisition that we did, uh, namely with, uh, with Lastline. So, uh, hi Dirk, hi Ant, and welcome to VMware. And welcome to the V Superheroes. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, guys, uh, maybe it's a it's a good way to uh, to, to introduce ourselves is maybe uh, or introduce yourselves is maybe um, Dirk. Uh, how have you uh, come into Last Line or how w- what's your career path been up until today? That's maybe uh, maybe a good one um, to start with. Yeah, my, my my name is Dirk. I've been with Last Line the last five years actually. So starting in two thousand fifteen and seeing how the company was growing, how we could deploy it more and more customers. And is, it is really an exciting company, especially now that we are in the NDR market. And this catches currently a lot of traction in the industry. Been, I think four or five years fire, so I was obviously on ground there. So also doing sandboxing, doing a lot of analysis. And before that, I've been with uh, Cisco Ironport. Um, so starting the Ironport market here in uh, the Dach region, also doing lots of trainings and uh, bringing the messaging to the customers. So that's mainly my, my, my main tasks in the last 15 years now. Okay. Hey, Ant, and, and what, are, what, are, what about you? Uh, yeah, so my name is Ant Ducker. Um, I guess probably like most people I talk to these days, my, my career in security has been at least the past 20 years. Um, my focus has mainly been on network security engineering. So proper pure play uh, network firewalls, next generation firewalls, web proxies, network design, that kind of thing. Uh, I've worked for some, some big companies, some tier one service providers, mobile phone providers, uh, major advertising organizations, 
uh, and prior to last line, uh, one of the large universal banks in Germany. And then I kind of transitioned into the, into the sales engineering side um, to really focus on cybersecurity. Uh, so I was uh, one of the principal SEs along with, with Dirk uh, at last line for the past three years, um, focusing on you know, all things cyber, threat hunting, uh, malware analysis, malware deconstruction, that kind of thing. It sounds a lot like we did not only attract the right solutions, we're also attracting the right people, which I believe is even more important. Yeah, we like cybersecurity, so yes. we do this as a passion, really. And we like to protect customers as well. So I think this is what it is all about. You, you need to have a good solution to protect customers and then to make sure that the customers also apply these solutions correctly. And I think this is always very important to have the right product at the right time. And um, this, I think, is, is a lot of fun in, in, in my job to present this to customers, but also implement it. So I'm, I'm a guy who wants to implement and present it. And um, that typically makes me um, pretty pretty happy if, if I see that a project goes on and we do something for the customers, really. I'd say the other nice thing is, if you like, I'm, I'm quite a good success story uh, about the product. When I came into last line, as I said, my focus was, was kind of, let's call it old school network security. Um, I've learned so much about cybersecurity, how malware works. And as Dirk says, you know, that interest in deconstructing and protecting against it. So the product can, can really help you, you learn things as well, I'd say. So based on that, guys, can, can you give a small introduction of, of what it is that makes Lost Line so unique? Yeah, I can do that. Um, so what, overall, the, the solution that we bring is called an NDR solution, which is network detection and response. This is a reasonably new concept, but what's, what's new about it or, or what's a differentiator about Lastline is this kind of unique combination of capabilities. We take um, network sandboxing, so Lastline bring actually a market leading sandbox as part of the solution. We leverage that with um, intrusion detection and improved intrusion prevention capabilities and we also include uh, NTA or network traffic analysis. So we're combining all of those three capabilities using some quite clever artificial intelligence models using supervised and unsupervised machine learning to give not only a, you know, a very high level of efficacy in terms of malware detection on the network, but also to provide some, some very clear um, correlation around the relationships with malicious activity and anomalous activity. So what we're trying to do really is be very laser focused about security events that are occurring in your network, security events that we want to respond to in, in various different ways. So I'm, I'm gonna be the, the five-year-old here uh, for, for a change and, and ask uh, the, the, the stupid questions or the why questions. So you mentioned IDS and, and IPS. The detection is relatively simple to do, I believe, in a, in a network concept. Prevention means that you are in, in line somewhere. Am, am I correct? Yes, that's our understanding as well. So you have IDS as a detection system and 
IPS as a prevention system. And um, that's our, our understanding really as well. Okay. Well, what, what does that mean? Does it mean you have an appliance somewhere or, or is this cloud-based or how, how do I need to look at this? So our sensors are actually physical hardware or can be virtual machines. And normally we get the traffic of a spend port. So then we are in a detection mode and you get the spend port very often from a, from a switch from the customer. You can get the data from a packet broker or you can get it from tap devices. That's how we deploy most often. Some customers also deploy inline, and this means you break up your network cable, plug it in on two interfaces on our sensor, and then we can prevent some easy events. So events where we can calculate fast enough to block them. There are other events like when we see a new document on, on the line, or we see a new executable, which we have never seen before, which needs to go into our network sandbox, then we need more time to analyze. And this is something you can't do inline. So you will get a result after some minutes, but initially it probably would pass through the network. And um, however, if you have, for example, callbacks, so um, you find somebody is um, connecting back to the internet from your internal network, then we do want to pre prevent this. And callbacks are typically easier to discover. And this is where the IDS IPS part helps a lot to make this a fast decision and say, okay, we can go into block mode here as well. That, that's amazing. And that, that really tickles my tech bone, <laughs> so to speak, um, because that's a solution we desperately needed uh, in, in, in uh, VMware's portfolio. Um, something I've been reading up uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, and months, actually, is uh, something called uh, the cyber kill chain, or uh, more commonly known as the Mitra attack framework. Is this something that the product aligns to? Is this built with that in mind? Yes, and, absolutely. And maybe, maybe, guys, because maybe for not everybody, it's clear what that what that is. Yeah. So maybe we can uh, we can first have that intro uh, of what it is, and then uh, and then where it plugs in. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to do that. So so let's do that first. So so Mitra Attack is a globally accessible knowledge base of adversary tactics and techniques based on real world observ observations. So essentially, it's a knowledge base used as a foundation for the development of specific threat models and methodologies. So this is something um, that it's used in particular um, for proactive defense actually. So, so people like the CISO, uh, people like the security architect in organizations will look at MITRE attack framework um, and look at tactics and techniques that are described in MITRE attack framework and try and overlay those uh, uh, tactics and techniques to areas of concern in their network. So they might wanna prevent, for example, as Dirk mentioned, callbacks to specific types of assets or to all assets. A number of different areas that, that will be used. It can also actually be used as a feedback loop. So, so you can, you know, as we all know, you can sit and plan your, your defensive strategies all day long. It's never ever going to be perfect. So you can use the references to MITRE ATT&CK 
not only to kind of plan proactively, but also to, to look and see what's getting through the gaps. Uh, and this is one of the areas where, where the alignment comes in very useful uh, because the last line solution will not only align the entire attack chain to the MITRE attack framework, but also the, the specific behaviors of malware itself. So, so what do I mean by that? If I have a, let's call it a fully correlated breach, that is the uh, combination of maybe multiple hosts. Um, those multiple hosts may be conducting malicious activity or anomalous activity or both. That entire collection of things is, is called a breach. In, in last line terms, we call that an intrusion. So for the entire breach, you know, what tactics and techniques were used to infiltrate the, net, the network, to move laterally in the network, to exfiltrate data from the network, we will align that to MITRE. So security operations in, in terms of response have a really good insight that these are the tactics and techniques that were employed for this breach to occur within our network. Similarly, that overlay occurs at the atomic malware level as well. So if we identify, let's say, a malicious PDF or malicious Word document, whatever it might be, in the behaviors and capabilities that we show from that analysis, there will similarly be an alignment to MITRE attack. Again, these are the tactics and techniques that are being employed in this packed executable or in this Word document or in this PDF to infiltrate your network. That's a very good explanation of, of, of that cyber uh, attack kill chain or, or the MITRE uh, framework. Could, would it be possible to give some concrete examples, um, if, if they exist, and I'm sure they do, um, related to a couple, not all, of course, but a couple of those steps in that framework? Uh, let's say, for instance, if we start at the bottom, we see, or at the top, actually, we see something like initial access. I can um, relate to something called reconnaissance, uh, for instance, or trying to scope out how um, an attack could occur. Is, is this something that LastLine picks up as well? Like, for, for instance, a simple port scan. Would, would LastLine pick that up? Yeah, absolutely. So a port scan, um, and this is where things get interesting, because a port scan in itself is not inherently malicious. So a port scan is something that we would consider on its own a network anomaly. Um, but that network anomaly may or may not be considered to be malicious, depending on what we see next. But you, you know, you're absolutely right. If there was a port scan, that would be classified as a potential initial access. If it's coming from the outside in towards a protected asset. Uh, interestingly, if that port scan occurred within the network laterally, then that would be more of a discovery um, element of the MITRE attack framework. So there's a you know, an element of, of lateral movement associated with it. Other areas I would say for initial access may be as simple as, you know, a, an email link that contains a phishing uh, URL, uh, those types of things will be classified as, as initial access. Okay, great. So, so more targeted uh, approach then. And, and, and a, a typical attack occurs that, uh, or has been occurring over the last couple of uh, yeah, years is, is a, a pivoting attack where we, well, not we, but malicious uh, people <laughs> uh, focus on an uh, easy to breach machine and then move around in the network from that machine. Is, is that also something that Lastline can pick up on? 
Again, yes, absolutely. The idea, as Dirk described earlier on, uh, the idea is that if we're in, in um, passive mode, we take feeds from all areas of the distribution part of the network. What we like to do is be able to see all ingress, egress traffic movement, and also all lateral traffic movement as well. So again, we would, it, it depends on, on how, on the nature, I suppose, of the lateral movement. It could be something very easy, you know, SMB V1, Eternal Blue is, is quite straightforward to, to detect. And that would probably be a malicious detection straight out of the box. But similarly, you could have more subtle things like suspicious session enumeration, um, reuse of particular types of Kerberos tokens, those types of things, which would be difficult to spot you know, in the whole noise of your network traffic, um, but we can we can really focus on those, particularly when it comes to using some of the, the correlation capabilities that we have uh, in tandem with the machine learning capabilities from network traffic profiling. It, it, it's funny you, you mentioned noise, because what, what I found lacking over the last decades of solutions in terms of security solutions is the 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 visualization or the reporting back on, on how something occurred on, or if something moved laterally on how it potentially infected other machines. Is this something where, where Lostline can potentially make a difference in, in how it reports uh, such anomalies? Yeah, so this is certainly one of our main focus areas to avoid lots of false positives and really focus on the real events, on the real alerts. And my, my customers are actually very happy with the new intrusion view, which we have since roughly two years. And all the events and just mentioned, they pop up really like a, a pure event in, inside the intrusion view. And, and this is what I really like about it. So you, you say, okay, you, there's a blue keep attack happening and we really name it and we can show it nowadays. And this is something which has improved a lot recently. And um, I think customers start to notice this or notice this already. And um, it keeps a lot of work from the SOC actually afterwards because this is what this is all about. So if you have lots of false positives, the, the SOC doesn't focus on the attack, but it focuses on false alerts. And this means a lot of work for the guys in a SOC team. And this is where we can prevent a lot of work. And mostly we were selling via partners, but some of our partners have their own SOCs and they had very positive feedback about this really. So we can, we, we, we can then make work less or that we can make them work more. So we, we, we can make them really focus on the real alerts inside their environments or inside the customer environments. And I think this is what is so great about the product. And in, in the past, we, we came from a, from a sandboxing perspective more. Um, nowadays, it's more networking events that we are really focused on. And this is, um, but always we had in mind keep the false positives low and uh, as this will avoid a lot of work. See, to, to me, that sounds amazing because as, as I said earlier, I, I found that lacking in, in other 
products I, I, I saw uh, during the span of my career. Uh, many are about uh, IDP solutions, uh, intrusion detection and prevention kind of solutions or anti-malware solutions in, in general. And I know it's, it's, it's hard to uh, describe this over uh, an audio podcast, but there's this screenshot going around at VMware uh, with last line in mind that displays uh, how an attack has occurred. And it, it shows that somebody clicked a link and then it was uh, an infected link and somebody downloaded something he shouldn't have and that then propagated within the network. It's it's that kind of visualization rather that I was really missing. Um, I think Lostline uh, is doing a very good job of visualizing the, 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 the span of an attack or the potential uh, infection rate of an attack, if I, if I may call it that. Uh, is that something you can uh, articulate on? Yeah, sure. So what, what, what I like is um, we, we highlight, for example, hosts where we have seen malicious activity. We highlight the attack. We highlight also external hosts. And what, what I like is, um, and, and this is not visible in the screenshots, but you can drill even deeper. So for example, you click on a host and you can see all web requests. You can look at the NetFlow information we collected. NetFlow is something I forgot earlier on to mention. Um, so we can um, ingest uh, a lot of NetFlow information as well and understand parts of the network that we haven't seen before. But also we would highlight other connectivity from a certain host, for example. Or if you look, look at the malware, we immediately show which hosts did get in contact with the malware inside the network. And this will all be covered by one intrusion. And this is what, what it makes really great in my opinion. And can, any can comments? I, can I ask you a question about a little bit going back to the to the the the, the SOC part? Um, um, how do we have any, let's say, a quantification on 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 where last line helps a SOC um, catch uh, a threat uh, earlier on, or uh, has a, have an, has an easier way to um, to to um, to see where it all came from? Do, do, do you have any? Um, maybe it's a marketing number, but do we have any uh, numbers on 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 what the benefits are of of last line of, of of going there and 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 really the value that that, that last line brings? I'm. Yeah, so go ahead, Dirk, if you're going to go. Oh, you, you go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> okay, um, we do. I mean, the, the part of the problem that we're trying to tackle is, is this response aspect. So we know if we, if we look at some of some, you know, publicly accessible statistics, we know that despite organizations investing millions in sophisticated perimeter security, breaches still occur. You, you just have to look at the last few years to, to see the types of breaches um, that, that have happened. We also know that when a network is penetrated, it can take, you know, days, if not months for that detection to be made, right? For, before you even know that these attackers are operating within your network. Part of the problem is security operations have a very large amount of, of tools, right? They, on average, most organizations, most enterprises will have up to 70, maybe 75 
different security tools. So the challenge there really is how do I determine, you know, some malicious activity has occurred and then how do I make all of my security tools work together to kind of empower me to, to make all of the links that I need to make. And if you think about it this way, right, you may be able to identify, let's say one machine has encountered malware. Now, from a security operations perspective, as soon as I know that that one machine has encountered malware, obviously I need to remediate that. I need to isolate that from the network. My next questions are, what else did it do? What other assets did it touch on my network? And if there are other assets that it's touched on my network, what have they done, right? So if you think about it, this intrusion that we're describing, unfortunately we can't show it in the podcast, is, is automating that for security operations. So it's automatically yep. saying, these are the detections that we've made, these are the encounters that we've seen. We're, we're doing that for you as a kind of level one remediation process. So it's, uh, it's, it's basically helping, um, one, uh, defining uh, the needle in the haystack and then following the thread that is connected to that needle in the haystack. That's what you're saying, right? Precisely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And do we have any, any uh, let's say, numbers on, on that, on, on how, how much faster or how much easier last line makes it? And if, if not, we don't have it, but it, 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 I think yeah, it might be a... But the thing with that is it's difficult to quantify based on the breach. So, so what mm -hmm. we know is, you know, in terms of the, the average delay time of, of, of around about 70 days, mm -hmm. we can drastically reduce that purely by, by automation and correlation. Of course, it comes down to the nature of the attack. Some, some by their very nature, are going to pause, right? And they're going to wait um, but before they, they do their next activity in the breach. Yeah, of course. Partially, we can cover that based on the behavior and capability, right? We can see that behavior or capability in the malware as part of the dynamic analysis. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Okay, cool, if, perfect. If Thanks. At, if you look at some numbers, so I, I think we prevent many customers for new ransomware. And I'm an avid listener to the Security Now podcast. And last week they mentioned um, the, the highest sum that ever was paid to. To, to release this, this ransom was $34 million. And this is something that you have to put in focus now. If, if you are a company, the attackers evaluate how much is the information worth they gathered, and then they adjust the ransom to it. And this makes can, can make it really high value. So um, we, we had this case in, 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 in Germany where uh, university hospital was um, attacked and where they mentioned publicly that a patient died because the systems were not operating as they should do. And this is where then, so first you have the ransom cost, but then you have other costs. And if, if this is really alive, this is really sad. So this is really something where this market definitely shouldn't be going. And um, this is where the attackers, I, I think, where, where you, this is where you can't put a value on, right? This is a life. We, we talked about indeed and value and, and specific um, sectors where you're working on healthcare. Are there any other specific type of verticals that you work on that, that this solution has bigger impact on? What type of customers are you looking for? 
So I, I think we are successful in all verticals because cybersecurity is, is nowadays a threat that occurs to everybody. And um, the attackers don't care who they attack. So they, they know there are markets where they can probably earn more money, but on the others, it's probably easier to get the money, right? And um, I, I think this is what, what we see nowadays. Um, they, they are attacking really a wide range of customers. And um, once they are in the network, the client talks back and then they evaluate what kind of information do we have. And uh, just recently, there were some new, um, new, new mentions on, on the press of some famous companies that have um, been breached actually. And um, I think one was in Italy, um, but I forgot the name. <laughs> it's, uh, it's somebody who produces drinks actually. And, um, but it's, it's in the press weekly now. And, and in the past, it was very hard for me to explain to others, what am I actually doing in my job? And now you read the newspapers, you read the latest newsletters and suddenly everybody is aware of what, what I'm doing. So the situation has changed in the last two, three years now because we, the attacks are more in the press. And I have the same part sometimes. Uh, I do end-user computing and remote working and those kind of things. So I have an easy, a much easier task nowadays to explain what I do and uh, what our software can help with. Uh, maybe uh, one other topic um, you mentioned, and it was totally in the beginning of the discussion, you mentioned NDR, uh, so the network part. Uh, of course, I'm looking from an endpoint part, so EDR, I would say. Uh, how, how is this relationship working? Uh, so the NDR and the EDR part, uh, carbon black story then. So um, first we were acquired inside the NSX business unit. And we are part of the networking security. So we, VMware has just recently published new SKUs for us so that you can um, by a hosted sensor. And this is something that has, I think, clarified a little bit already where we are, because in this presentation, there are the paths shown how you can buy the last line solution, which is nowadays actually called NSX Defender. And so first part is really integrating it into the NSX solution um, giving more value to the NSX firewall um, and adding value there really. I think the other parts will follow, will follow. And I think and also did some integrations already from a, from a carbon black perspective, but I'm very sure the business unit is thinking where can we integrate within the Last uh, within the VMware portfolio, within the VMware security portfolio. And very helpful is here really that we have a well-documented REST API. So and is our master of REST API, I can tell you. And um, he solved a lot of issues with customers, so exchanging information. And this is where the REST API is really great nowadays. And I think I'm I'm very sure this will all be used within VMware to, 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 to connect different products in future. 
Yeah. Any more comments, and <laughs> Yeah, if I can just come in there quickly. I mean, at a high level, um, you know, we know that EDR can't cover every asset on the network. We also know that NDR may not be able to see everything on the network as well. So the interesting part for us, uh, and as Dirk mentioned uh, in the future, I think, will be this, this combination of NDR and EDR to give this, this extended detection and response capability, XDR, that, that everyone's talking about at the moment. Um, as, as a couple of very kind of crystal clear examples, you know, there may be specific workloads that, that don't necessarily have network capabilities that NDR isn't going to see. Also, you may have, you know, something simple like a network printer or an office smart TV where you're not going to be able to deploy an EDR to cover that. So that's where these two kind of technologies really combine. But what I can tell you, is, as Dirk mentioned today, is you know, there is already uh, a level of, of integration with, with the carbon black EDR. That's something that last line brought with us anyway, um, where we have this concept of being able to stream um, network IOCs that have been seen, you know, actual encounters that we've seen on the network that we can use to, to inform the EDR manager and the EDR endpoints um, that, that this has happened. And these are the things that, that should, be, should be looking out for. Um, but I think that integration will will continue over the next you know twelve months or, or so to be a much tighter integration. One more question that I had, if I may, is um, if you go over the the data sheet of uh, of last line or now called the NSX Defender, we see stuff like uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and supervised and unsupervised machine learning. I'm not a complete noob to machine learning, but for those who are, <laughs> can you specify what that difference is between, you know, a supervised model and an unsupervised model and what that means in terms of this solution? Yep, I can do that. So um, what Lastline do or what Lastline bring to, to NSX Defender, as you mentioned, is this com concept of a combination of different types of machine learning. If we start with, with unsupervised machine learning, that's, that's a technique that's typically used in network traffic analysis. So you have this idea of, of taking uh, essentially unstructured data uh, and then using your, your unsupervised machine learning to establish patterns and anomalies or outliers inside of that unstructured data. The, the problem with, with that technique alone is it's very good at, at detecting anomalies, right? If you consider a standard enterprise network and the types of network data that you see, you're going to find anomalies all day, every day, because you're going to get new machines coming on. You're going to get maybe um, network traffic occurring only at specific times of the, of the quarter. All of that kind of stuff is going to happen. So it means that those unsupervised models will you know, produce a lot of data. Um, what we don't want to do is use that alone to provide security response, right? Because that's gonna be very noisy and it's going to contain a lot of false positives. So what we do is combine that with supervised machine learning models, which is based on, on knowledge. Last line bring 10 years plus worth of malware and, net, and, and malicious network traffic knowledge with us, 
which is implemented in some of our supervised machine learning models uh, and partly implemented in some of the sandbox techniques as well. So what we're doing is we're actually using effectively an overlay um, and saying, right, here is the, the results of our unsupervised machine learning. What can we use as a result of our knowledge, i.e. the supervised machine learning capabilities to kind of correlate this and say, actually, these anomalies we don't care about, whereas these anomalies, these are actually specifically relevant to security response. And those models, you know, I'm not going to go into to too much depth, but it can be, you know, a combination of volumetric based models, time based models, um, anomaly based or out of profile models, those kinds of things. And that specifically is happening for, for the, the network traffic analysis component. We will actually baseline traffic across the network. So we'll baseline every single IP address um, and we'll understand this is a typical activity for this IP address. We'll use network data to determine this IP address has this operating system. It's this type of, of machine, you know, an endpoint or a server or a handset, whatever it might be. So we'll use all of that information to kind of give us context in our, in our correlation with the AI models. And, and who, who is it then that steers that supervised model? Is it, is it community driven? Is, is there a team of experts behind it? What, what drives the supervised model? Yeah, that's from the uh, threat analysis unit as it now is uh, at VMware, which is a combination these days of the last line threat intelligence group uh, and the carbon black threat intelligence team as well. So what they're doing is, uh, you know, most of it is actually a result of the sandboxing because the sandboxing, uh, you know, to a certain extent, we allow the sandbox to execute in a minimally trained way, right? So the sandbox knows based on whatever type of file it's given, the main things to check or the main activities to perform from a supervised machine learning aspect. It then has some level of autonomy to, to let malware essentially do whatever it wants to do inside the sandbox container so that we can watch what happens, right? And we can learn more about the behaviors and capabilities at the operating system level but also the behaviors and capabilities at the network level. That final piece there is important because that allows us to create candidate network signatures. So it means at a very high level, you know, if we detect uh, um, a day zero malware variant that no one else has seen and has network capabilities, we can very quickly turn those network capabilities into signatures and be more proactive about its detection and prevention. So we don't need to wait for signatures anymore. The, the, the solution itself is, is basically self-learning. So if, if I understand this correctly, and just to summarize, let's say something is happening in the network. Um, if we know about this, this is a known threat, then I suppose the IDP and the detection protection uh, will pick it up. Uh, that's a pretty much a signature-based approach. Yep. Um, okay. So... If we don't know about it, I guess then the sandboxing kicks in. Yes, yeah, so Dirt spoke earlier about the sensors that we deploy. Um, and one of the most fundamental questions, if you like, the sensor has to ask itself is, when I see this network traffic, have I seen it before? Have I seen these network flows before? Or have I seen the objects that are within these network flows before? 
if it has seen them before, it, it knows what to do, right? It knows either we need to respond or we don't. If it hasn't seen it before, then it will be reported upwards to the other components of the solution, including the sandbox for further deep analysis. So the next time round, we know what to do, right? So ju just for my understanding, what, what does the sandbox then actually do? Because the, the way I've been looking at sandboxing in the past is typically it, it detonates, and that, that's the term then used in that concept, eh? it detonates an executable in a secured environment and that executable is then being monitored for outgoing connections, spawning more you know, processes, DLLs, stuff like that. Is that what we're doing in that sandbox environment? Yes, indeed. So we look at different data types or mind types and what, what we typically explode, um, what, what every sandbox on the market does is uh, exploding executables. But there are so much more types like the, all, all the office documents that you want to understand PDF documents, scripts that we are seeing nowadays. And this is something you want to run in the sandbox and understand what it is doing. And this is really the part of the sensor to understand what kind of traffic do I see and what, which of these objects should be going into the sandbox and which is, would just overload it or which would I want to um, avoid putting in the sandbox. Um, because the sandbox is, a, is very precious. It, it is always limited by the number of runs per day. And um, this is why it is so important to have the sensor choose what gets sent in, inside the sandbox. For, however, nowadays we also look at URLs. So if, if we find a phishing email, then the URL can be exploded inside the sandbox. Um, if we see interesting scripts, JavaScripts, then they can be run inside the sandbox as well. So um, we can, it's not only running executables, but it's much more nowadays. And then understand also what gets analyzed and what is the output of the sandbox. And this is the information we can correlate nowadays as well. So we have um, the understanding of what is happening inside the network. If we find an interesting object, we take it out of this traffic, analyze it inside the sandbox. And then finally, if we see now that somebody is clicking on a URL, we can correlate and say, okay, we have seen this file in the sandbox and somebody was really clicking on it. And this is what network correlation I think is about to understand relationship between different malicious tasks and in the end, this is all displayed then in our um, intrusions view uh, to, to come back to earlier and say, okay, we want to see the relationship between different objects. Okay, so I'm, I'm sold and I'm going to ask the question that is on every engineer's lips here. Is there a demo portal or is there any way I can get my fingers dirty on this because I really want to play with it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bad question. <laughs> Disappointed. Let's, let's put it this way. We, we, we are working on it. We have to progress with the integration a little bit further. Um, so I, I, I think we will see something like a demo environment next year, most likely. I, I look forward to it. Absolutely. 
I'm sure, Frederick, you will get your hands dirty before uh, something gets public. Uh, I, I see, I see you already smiling, and I, I, I see you thinking about how how can I approach this to get my hands dirty. Let's say somewhere later tonight. <laughs> well, to, to use a quote from Jurassic Park, "Life finds a way." So I will yeah. find a way <laughs> to, to play with this. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, maybe uh, I think we have time for maybe one one last question. And uh, Frederick, I, I I know um, that uh, Ant and Dirk have been uh, have been tickling the geek bone quite a lot uh, during the the complete podcast. So I will give you the honors for uh, for one last question. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, what what I've been thinking about is uh, if we dial back, let's say a year. Lost Line did not know it was going to be acquired by uh, VMware. In in the last uh, six to eight years, VMware has done a tremendous job of positioning their software-defined networking uh, uh, capabilities. So investing in everything uh, east-west and the distributed firewall, and then gaining a lot of more a lot more visibility between applications as opposed to the north-south flow. How does that relate to the last line product? And uh, it is my hope that your answer will be, we will gain more visibility because of the scale of NSX. Is, am I right in my, in my assumption there? Yeah, I think we can say yes, yeah. <laughs> to <keep laughs> thank, thank you for being <laughs> brief. But but yeah. yes is always a good answer, eh? uh, Frederick. In this case, if no or maybe would be a little bit more uh, more difficult, I, I think. So yes, yes is always a little bit more positive. So uh, the, so the idea is to understand more traffic on the NSX platform, um, also to get an insight into virtual machines that are running. So um, looking at the VMware tools, for example, is is an idea uh, where we are looking about. And I think you will see a lot of interesting stuff uh, come next year. So currently the SKUs are still selling the product as it, as it was by last line. Uh, beginning next year or next year, we will see uh, integration with NSX. So which will be much deeper than what the product is about today. And this will give us more traffic uh, to come back to your question and um, really to understand what workloads are happening on a, on, on a, on, on vSphere. Um, we need to get a better insight inside where, where nobody can go. We want to go where nobody was before. Let's, let's put it um, really this way. And we also want to avoid too much load. So if, if you think about the NSX firewall, we obviously can avoid the hairpinning effect. And this is what is very interesting for us to get as much traffic as possible to analyze and understand what is happening inside the customer environment. And I think nowadays I have also to mention inside the data center of the customer. So in the past, we were more or less deployed in the network. Nowadays, we are moving more inside the data center, obviously, and we try to understand what is happening there. I think that's a very nice quote to end with, uh, Dirk. Uh, it's a bit Star Trekky, but to go where no one has gone before, I think, is a nice note uh, to end with. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I might be watching too much Star Trek and <laughs> recently, so uh, <laughs> I can't blame you. I can't blame you. <laughs> All right, hey, Ant Dirk, I think. Um, 
we will invite you again once we uh, we hit next year and uh, maybe some more integrations and stuff like that are, are happening uh, and I think that, that that's that's worth another uh, another episode of uh, of, of, of the podcast and uh, and and I think for a first episodes about last line and and uh, where uh, you guys have coming from and where uh, uh, why you joined well why you joined why this acquisition makes complete sense within the within the uh, the VMware strategy I think it's a, a good first uh, first take on it um, so uh, thank you very much for uh, for being here um, uh, Frederick thanks for asking intelligent questions about uh, security and networking <laughs> and, and and the other Frederick and myself we were more into the value play so uh, which is which is I think we we, we we filled the gap nicely so that's okay hey uh, thank you very much guys thanks for uh, for being on the podcast and uh, hope to see you soon in uh, hopefully in real life thank you very much guys bye bye Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.